Welcome once again to the Wine of Shuffle, and now we're approaching some sort of normality to one of our last lockdown specials. In the past few months, we brought you chats with various figures from ICT past and present, from the early days of 94 right up to the past curtailed season, and in between the glory days of 14-15. From now on, we're going to be looking forward to the new season and all that the return of football brings, but before we do that, we've spoken to the players involved in those glory days, that golden period, They've all had one thing in common. They've all mentioned one guy. I was lucky to, to meet a coach like him. Uh, he brought me on massively as a player. Anyone who's played under him will say the same. He's, he just makes you a better player. Yeah, I mean, Yogi was amazing. He was brilliant. I could tell so many stories about him. When, obviously, when he came in, it all kind of changed. And... Um, it kind of changed in the space of about a month as well, which was which was ridiculous. Told that guy in such high high esteem. He played. He turned our club around and played in Europe. Cali Thistle played in Europe. It's phenomenal, and he got the boys boys playing stuff that I'd never seen the likes of. I don't think there's one player who could say they never got improved by John no. Hughes. I I I, w- I wish. I had him as a manager when I was 20, honestly. You think you know football? Well, I thought I knew football. And then Sam, when he signed, it was like, wow. Inverness, what the hell? How you doing? No bars or sell for shitty weather, drugs and pissness. Inverness is a fucking business. What did Tarzan see when he found a screwdriver? There's it. Right, welcome everyone, welcome back. Normally I say with me today is a man who, you know, blah, blah, blah. But it's Riley who's been holding the fort while we've all had a wee break. So, you know, with Stevie Riley today is a man who's very much been enjoying your best 11, Andrew Moffat. So, right, how have you managed to get all these boys on, Riley? And has, has Greg Tanzi got an injunction out against you yet? No, Greg loves a podcast. He's just happy to be, be doing something. Um, no, I just thought them online, mate. As, as you know, you know, I, you know, I like to get my free tickets through certain sources. So, yeah, I just go back to my database of freebies and annoy them for some content. We'll keep them under wraps just now, but there's a few crackers to come and, uh, yeah, hopefully the guys that are listening and join them. Just shows you that stalking does work because we finally, we finally arguably got the most successful manager in the club's history on the pod. Absolutely buzzing. We finally welcome on John Hughes. John, how's it going? Oh, it's going great. And it's a pleasure to be on, talk all things in my mess because I had... A great time up there. Well, we've heard you on the radio and other pods recently, you know, talking about your career, Scottish football in general, Hibs, Wraith, but obviously we're Cali Thistle supporters. So this is your chance not only to speak, uh, for us to speak to you, but, you know, for you to speak directly to Cali Thistle fans. So, you know, you've not spoken to them in a while. What would you want to say to them, John? No, I'm just missing them. Wish them all the best. Um, appreciate what you've got in terms of, you know, what we're going through at this moment in time, the pandemic, uh, covid um, it really makes you feel appreciated and when the football gets back get back and support your club um, hopefully they can get back into the top flight you know and take on the big boys uh, they should have been in the playoffs this year and it just shows you you know football but fantastic club uh, really enjoyed my time up there and I enjoyed it, the, the way you live it. although I didn't stay in Inverness I stayed in the Black Isle you know well out of the way that suited me um, that's a fantastic city, really is a fantastic city. 
Well, we've had some of your former players on the pod already. I'm sure you'll know um, Greg Tansy, Carlo, Josh Meekins, Ryan Christie, and just at the top of the pod there, we've we've listened to some of their thoughts, their thoughts about you. Um, when you get comments like that, you know, what's your reaction? Well, that's that's me and winning the Scottish Cup. Trust me on that. You know, you win the Scottish Cup and then Cup finals and all the success you've had at football. When you get players talking highly, highly off you, although I'm quite modest, that's the best compliment you can get. Uh, and if it's just a message or as you see a podcast, um, because you know you've done your job. My job is when you go in there is to try and educate them and make them better individually and collectively. And it's not easy. Everybody thinks it's quite easy. It's just a, a flick. Of, it's not easy because you're, for me, playing football and keeping the balls the hardest thing to do in football. It looks easy and it sounds easy. It's the hardest thing to do in football. And uh, But all the credit goes to the players. The players were magnificent, very receptive to my ideas, what I wanted to do. And they deserve all the credit. It's these guys that went out and implemented it. Um, but it was great when you see, that's where you take real satisfaction. When you see it come to fruition, all your hard work on the training pitch, your hours and hours of uh, game preparation, and these guys going out on the pitch, getting a right good result, but dominating the ball and playing great football, then that's where you see it. That's where it's all worthwhile, football. Well, these, these guys have got nothing but compliments for you, but uh, Ryan also told us a few stories about... Uh, you talking in riddles when you used to call him into your office and uh, and Big Greg, you know, no no danger to a tackle on that. He was shit scared of you. <laughs> <laughs> I actually think in management, there's two ways to manage. I think you manage in fear um, or you manage with, with, with fun and stimulation. And I'd rather think I manage with fun and stimulation, but... I wouldn't even say fear. I think it's respect because I've done my time in football. What I'm giving them in football is 40, 40 years, 45 years of what I'm giving them in my two and a half years at Inverness. It's 40 years of, of, of practice, you know, and I'm just passing it on. And um, great bunch of boys. Good time. Good, good time. I miss them. I have to say that. I really do. I miss them. I miss the boys. I miss the banter. Um, and if you ask any football coach and manager, we all want to win. There's nothing like playing. But if you ask any coach or manager, it's in that dressing room and in that environment where there's nothing but a laugh for the minute you walk in to the minute you leave. And it was like that when I was a player as well. You know, you had to be right on your toes for the banter and make sure that you could stand up to it. Well, let's talk about your achievements here at Inverness. You know, Scottish Cup winners, third in the league, qualifying for Europe uh, twice over. League Cup finalists, you had 19 wins in that 14th um, that season, 52 goals scored. You got PFA Scotland Manager of the Year, which I think isn't, isn't talked about as much as it should be. I would say overachievement, pro, pro, overachievement probably doesn't come close to describing that with a club of our size. But did you really think that any of that was possible when you took a job from Terry Butcher? Yeah, I did actually. Um, I'm a I'm very optimistic guy. I'm a dreamer. So when I went in Inverness, I actually did my due diligence. I knew what was going on at the club and the players. And I was grateful and thankful when I did get the job. The players were in, in place. And it was up to these guys. Terry had a different style to me. Terry wanted to play the ball a bit longer, get the game played in other teams half and go and press and work from the front. 
So I knew what I was up against it just to try and get to change your mindset. But the players were very receptive to to what I was wanting. So when I went in there, I'd done my due diligence, I know what I had, and it was just a matter of going in there for the first couple of weeks and doing assessments, see exactly what I had. And it didn't didn't surprise me. You know, you're talking about players like Shinny Watkins and some of the boys that should have played that done some heroes like Carlo and Nick Ross, they should have played. Any other team would have been in the starting 11 week in, week out, you know, because they were very, very good players, fantastic footballers. If you go on your training pitch and if your training's done right, right down to a seven-a-side session, maybe young v old, and you stand and watching it and applauding what you're seeing, some of the passive moves, then you know you're onto someone. And it's just taking it from the training pitch onto the pitch and guiding them, you know, and gaining them all the preparation that you can, but real good, real fantastic uh, bunch of boys. And I have to be honest, I think they were ready for a, a change of style. I think they were ready to get stimulated, that change of style. There's something new to them. This is the way we're going to do it. Know, know them all, you know. And that's why when I first went in, I just had to drip feed it, assess it. And that, the, the first thing I, I, I realised after that two-week assessment is I needed one player, and that was a quarterback. You know, a passing midfielder, I think that sitting midfielder has to be a quarterback, I think. Mm-hmm. I believe he's the most important player on your team, really. And I knew Greg Tanzi's uh, passing range for the last time he was at Inverness. Done a little bit of research and it come back to me. I always feel when you're looking for players, speak to ex-players or players that know him because they're in the dressing room with him. And everything I got back on Greg Tanzi was his right youth style of player. And then as soon as we brought him up, I knew also that having been here before, there wasn't a problem and I'm getting settled in. And then he just come in, hit the ground running, and we were off and running. So that was really the only addition that I really made when I first come in. And we were were away, we were off and running. And just drip feeding that style of football, just a little bit into it. And just mixing it up a little bit, but always assessing and assessing. And as I say... um, even that first six months when I went in, it was good. It was, it was, we had good success, you know. Uh, I think we dropped a bit in the league, but to get to the League Cup final, mm-hmm. uh, a good chance. And we talk about the League Cup final, don't forget the semi-final against Hearts at Easter Road. Oh, we can't forget that. <laughs> no, that was but, but that's what I'm saying. When we're up against it, mm-hmm. I, think it was a, I think it was a one o'clock or 12 o'clock kickoff. It was, it was a Saturday, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Aye, it was a Sunday, Hearts are heading for a team, mm-hmm. you know, so they've, they've no travelling. Well, then Vanessa supporters have to travel. We're up against it, it's in Edinburgh, albeit mm-hmm. Easter Road. We're down to nine men. You know, the game's done and dusted, and Nick Nick's in there and scores, gets the equaliser. And that's where that team spirit that, that you're working on, because we did work on it in terms of when I went in. I'm big on team meetings. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, what I want, what they want, you know, you're asking them individually what they want, what do they see success individually, what do they want to do, and we put, we put markers down, I wanted to overtake Dundee United, for no reason, I just think Dundee United were always fourth, 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 and I'm saying, well, if we can overtake them, we've got to get that European spot, mm-hmm. and that was the target, and then that spirit, you know, that siege mentality, because... You would say to them, like, listen, we're on the bus at half past eight in the morning 
and it was wasn't overnight stay. So all the boys are sleeping on the bus. They're in between the aisles in their sleeping bags with their pillows and all that stuff. Stop for a pre-match meal, go and do the business. You know, go and play the game, do the business. Then on the way back up, stop for a couple of beers, maybe you know in Stirling or wherever or whatever the boys wanted, and away back. But that was it. It was like, right, come on then, let's go do in there. You know, they've been in their own beds. And the boys bought into all that stuff, that siege mentality. We're not getting beat. But it all come down to the way they trained. You know, I would not have anyone on my training pitch pissing about. You know, I just go away, go off, off my training pitch or taking the huff. They've said that to me, John. They've said that. They've said that. That's where you are. Because I, I honestly believe, I talked about it earlier, everybody thinks, oh, control the ball and pass it to your teammate. Everybody thinks it's easy. Even now I'm sitting talking, try doing it. It's very, very difficult. It's very difficult. So it takes everything that you've got on the training pitch um, to be at your best. And I, I, I'm a great believer in train the way you play. And the standard that I see on the training pitch, I honestly believe come a Saturday, the games come easy. Mm-hmm. All the hard work's done. All the hard work's done because they're getting battered into each other. They don't want to lose. You're at the sideline winding it up. If it's young v old, you can't let the young team beat you or you can't and they're getting stuck in. Mm-hmm. And sometimes what you've seen on the training pitch was harder on a Saturday. And all you needed to do on a Saturday because of your game preparation, mm-hmm. you say, this is what will happen. This is how we're going to beat them. This is the system we're going to play. Get it into them the last couple of days of training. Nine times out of ten, they go and implement it. Hey, well, let's, let's, let's go back to start, John. I think December 13, you took over. I think it was sitting there and away. I was at the game. I think it was sitting there and away, your first game. You'd been at Hartlepool in May, and obviously they get relegated to League Two, but you had a, a good impact at Hartlepool. I think I think you've done a good job there. You said before you didn't have an agent, so how did the Inverness job come about? What? what no, you I, did, about I went it? for it myself. I went for it myself. At that time, my agent, uh, I was sort of, uh, Raymond Sparks was helping me out a little bit. But um, I take a lot of, uh, John Collins is my mate, we spend a lot of time together and it's, it's football, constantly football talk, football talk and I asked him opinion, he says I think that would suit you. I, I then sort of sat down with him in depth and said that's the players that have got this, that because of the due diligence. And then the funny thing is, was I put my CV in and a philosophy book that I carry, I put that in. But it went into Grasser Bennett. Aye. But he was leaving. Yeah, he was director of football at the time, that's right. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think there was a wee fallout at the time, so he mm-hmm. was leaving. Mm-hmm. But that's where my stuff went. He was the chief executive at the time, but he was leaving, so my stuff sort of left with him. But luckily, <laughs> with the inside uh, knowledge that I had, I got the phone call saying, I think you have to reapply to the chairman, to Kenny Cameron. As soon as I'd done that, um, they asked me to come in for an interview. I met them in Edinburgh. I went up to, it was Willie Finlayson's offices up in Edinburgh. The chairman was there. I went in, we just started talking football for about an hour, uh, having a bit of banter, talking football. I says, right, come on, we'll go over an interview. And he says, you've had it. I says, what? He says, you've had the interview. He says, we've seen enough. Mm-hmm. And I think it was just the passion that uh, comes out. Uh, was coming out talking about football, talking a little bit about, I think players are spoiled. I think you can give them too much. And I think that sort of uh, hit a nerve with Kenny sort of saying, well, we're that kind of club. We've not got fantastic top-of-the-range facilities, but you're the kind of guy that's going to come in here, roll your sleeves up and get on with it. 
And initially, nobody knows this, initially when I got offered the job, the chairman asked me if I would take it with another manager that he interviewed, if we would go joint managers. Uh, and I said I would go and meet him. And was that Paul Telfer? Aye, the other guy pulled it. Aye, aye, there's rumours that Telfer was in for it, so that's, aye, that's interesting. Then, then I got the job, so I got the job, so that was that. But that's the way football was. Um, mm-hmm. And I was in there, so it was a case of, also what I knew as well is, all my time at Falkirk, if there was a game on midweek at Inverness, me and Brian Rice were up watching. Mm-hmm. So you become familiar with the journey and all that stuff. And it wasn't a hardship. In fact, I probably needed that. I probably need, needed that escapism to mm-hmm. get away and all that stuff. And it was great. Absolutely brilliant. Brilliant for the family as well because the wife and the kids come up. Uh, I stayed in uh, Rose Market. And the wife and the kids come up, you know, doing where the dolphins dive and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. They absolutely loved it. Even now, you know, when one or two, if it's pouring the rain or down here by in Edinburgh, I get that look every now and then. See you. We could have been <laughs> up at Rose Market <laughs> doing it. And the, and the kids loved it. Loved right. it. And it was brilliant because... Being it's a, a holiday father, for them, isn't it? I be, but being a father, kids are great when you can send them away again. <laughs> <laughs> ちなみにそれはずっと言ってたんですけど、それはずっと言ってたんですけど、それはずっと言ってたんですけど、それはずっと言ってたんですけど、それはずっと言ってたんですけど、それはずっと言ってたんですけど、それはずっと言ってたん
done the business. It took us to the League Cup final, which was probably totally disappointing. Really, I've seen us play better. But you know, all the pressure was on Aberdeen. They couldn't beat us over, you know, over the 90 minutes. And, uh, we should have, should have had a penalty then with Richie getting fouled as well. Aye, <laughs> aye. Uh, and then I think Dorans had a chance as well. And really poor, really poor on the penalties. Yeah. But um, absolutely delighted, absolutely delighted. And I think everything happens for a reason. I'm a great yeah. believer in that. You know, um, you know, I was disappointed when I lost my job at Hibs and moved on and that. But if that wasn't the case, then I would never have ended up at Inverness, met all the wonderful people that I met, mm-hmm. got to know another part of the world and be a Scottish Cup winner and taking another team into Europe. So that's how football works. Yeah. You talked about that, that first six months, you know, you drip, drip feeding your ideas in. Did you always have an eye on, right, I know that next well, season... Andrew, I say drip feeding, but drip feeding what you think and me drip feeding, it's water, <laughs> right? <laughs> But you, you, you're hanging, but you're, I'm not giving you at all because it's too much. Because of my style of play and the tactics and the rotations I want to work, it's really, uh, it's quite mentally to take it all in and rotate right. it it's, and know what your job is. Uh, it's quite, it's quite challenging. Yeah. And my, my question was like, we, we did, did you increase that then in the summer? prior to the 14-15 season? Well, that, aye, that's where it all started. So the first six months was a look at it and a great achievement in the League Cup final. But the next again year when we were going into it, you're sort of saying to yourself, we're not a bad team. We're not a bad team. You could add one or two, then one or two hangs. And it was coming into pre-season. And that's when I said, right, this is all mine. And I've done a deal with the boys. I say to the boys, there's two ways we can work this at the end of the season. I'm big on body fat and... I think your body, mate, watches your, matches your body fat, sorry. So 11% I, they can't come back? Well, I, want them 11%, I want them 11% body fat. So if you're 13 stone at 11% body fat and you go up to 13 stone 4, there's every chance that your body fat is going up. So it, it works itself together. And I say to them, all come back at your body weight, which will stick with your body fat and it'll be the best pre-season that you've had. If you ask any footballer, Pre-seasons usually morning, afternoon, running up hills, running, you know, wood through woods, all that stuff. We never done one double session in the whole of that pre-season because every one of them to a man come back spot on, uh, and that's testament to them that you know the the professionalism in them, competition for places, and all we did was we would train in the morning, go home get our lunch, get our sleep, and we play the Highland League teams at night. And we played as many of them as we can. So if we played two of them a week, uh, that was their preparation. And I felt, a lot of them might have felt, oh, we're no, we're no fit, we're no ready for that. But your eye tells you. And plus, it was too, so, um, so little time to put too much into it in terms of getting on the tactics and the way I wanted to play, get that into it. Uh, I never had too much time. I had to get right down to work. And as I say, it was quite simple because the boys loved it, were receptive to it. And I'll have to say this, Andrew, you know what they've done? They took ownership of it. Right. And they policed it. They took ownership. I'm there winding it up and putting all the standards in there and what I'm what I overtake done United, what about this? And gaining my experience of being manager of Hibs and seeing what I'm seeing on this training pitch over the over my time at the club is better than what I'm seeing. The standard of footballer, 
and I'm no blowing smoke up their backside. And then right dunky, sitting them in a dressing room and looking them right in the eye and say to them, we're all here for a reason. Mm-hmm. Be it maybe failed, maybe can't get a job, but we've all come together for one reason. So, and it's not going to last forever. So why not go and get success? Because it's no hard. That's what we're up against. We're better than that. We're better than that. Let's break it down individually. You're a better player than him. And then before you know it, you could just see them. And I keep saying to him, if you keep training the way you're training on your standards on the training pitch, we'll get success. And then just all the other wee bits and pieces, like that seeds mentality, and then just saying, this is how you'll beat teams. They'll not get the ball off you. If we create that wee extra man in midfield, they'll not get the ball off you. And as you say, you always need that little bit of luck because Ryan Christie's then sort of starts emerging. Mm. You know, you sort of say to yourself, and I can remember seeing when I went in, um, you know, and I was doing that assessment, the first thing that I seen, I seen Scott Kelleher, although he was a sort of friend of mine, uh, I seen it took all the kids. I seen his training session, because I see his training in the afternoon to see the kids. As soon as I went to see it, the first thing I seen was Ryan Christie. He just stood out like a shining star. And I said, wow. You know, you could see it. But I was really impressed with the coaching session. And then when I come back over the next sort of week or so, I was seeing a rapport that Kelahar had in that dressing room. Scott's got a great uh, natural uh, habit. He, he laughs at himself, which makes him... You know, very popular in the dressing room, and mm-hmm. he brought all these a lot of these kids, Shinny, Nick Ross, Christie, uh, along with Charlie, uh, Polworth. He all them come through his team in the academies, mm-hmm. so it was easy. You know, I said, right, you need to come with me. You know, and he was very receptive to my style of play, just teaching him. And that that was it. That was the first real change. Moved Duncan, who was different class, a link dunk. Moved him down to take the kids. And we were wanting we to sort of keep the three us and bring another coach in for the kids. But the finances don't dictate that. Yeah. You know, so we have to shuffle the pack as well. That's the way I want to work. And I'm just great. I'm really thankful that the chairman went, right, okay, right, fine. And then that was that. So we were off and running. It was fantastic. And that pre-season, I feel that was a catalyst for the season that we had. Really do. But the funny thing is, I'll tell you a story. We played Birmingham. And I felt we played, analysing the game, I felt we played really well against Birmingham. Any other day, I think Marley missed a few one-on-ones. Mm-hmm. And we, we lost we lost a pure goal. We might have got something out of the game. The chairman, his face was tripping down. I said, what's something? He says, oh, the directors will know when they're But it's tippy-tappy, ah, well. So, so what do they know, eh? Hi. Uh, I was going to ask you about um, Scott. Cause he's, yes, he's renowned as a, Kelliker, he's renowned as a top coach. He does have a good rapport with players, with all people, actually. So you promoted him to the first team, and then Rob was going and promoted him to assistant manager. Do you, do you think that that's somebody that should be looked at as a future manager for our football club or, or, or elsewhere? And do you think he's got the capabilities to do that, or do you think he would prefer oh, to stay 200%. as a Hi. No, as we speak. I know Rob was in there doing a great job, but more than capable. He's very, very knowledgeable uh, on the game, tactically, switched on, picked it up like that, and what he didn't know, he would ask questions. You got a lot of people saying, I'm not asking a question, you got they've got that ego. If he didn't, he would ask you, go and show me this, go and show me. Great rapport with with the kids and then a lot of my training's game related to the game. 
And what you have to do is, well, all your stimulating players, you have to stimulate your staff. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're saying, to, you're saying to Kells, Kells, tomorrow this is what I want to do, can you drop this training session? And he would come in and the training session would be all drawn up for that reason, because we're playing that system on Saturday right. and that's how we're going to break it down. And then at times you would come to the stage, and don't forget Russell as well, you would stand back and say, on you go, it's yours. And you say, oh, it's yours, it's yours. And that's what you have to do, you know. But Russell was different class as well. Russell, in terms of, uh, Russell's strength was, the game could be going on and it would be in your ear. You need to change just for 10 minutes. Or the game would be going on and, be, and he could see it. And he could see it, so he just kept feeding you the information. You need to change it. So it was just a wee change. And before you knew it, that danger that the other team had for five, ten minutes was gone because you made a wee tactical switch and then you're on top. And it was brilliant at that. And let the guys play. And it was good for me because sometimes, I'm, you know, I'm what I get. Come on. and <laughs> Come, let the guys play. Let the guys play. And that's the way you have to manage. So the team was in place. Um, and that, as you say, that pre-season, come on then, it was magnificent. And once again, you talk about Kells. Kells is going to be the manager of Inverness, you know, anytime, uh, as soon as Robo moves on to bigger or better things or whatever, whatever ever happens, if that ever, because of his hearts were sniffing about him, mm-hmm. then your next manager, Scott Kelleher. And I'm not saying that because he's a friend of mine. Trust me, he, he's mm-hmm. very, very, very good. Very good. Better and good. Better and good. His banter's crap. His banter's useless. <laughs> His banter would put you to sleep, but he's not a bad coach. When you took over, I think, as you said, you've had to, you drip fed it in, also a bit more aggressive than what we thought. Everyone seemed to be susceptible to it, and I think you needed that group of players to also absorb what you're trying to tell them. But was there any players that maybe took a wee bit longer to take your ideas on board and were a wee bit, wee bit more stubborn? I used to say to them, you be the best because you're a footballer. Forget positions. You walk on my training pitch, you're all footballers. Mm-hmm. You're all footballers. I expect you to do what Ryan Christie can do, and you're all footballers. So it's a level playing field. There's no an excuse. Oh, I'm, I'm a centre half, I'm a left, but I'm a. No excuse. We're all footballers. We're all trained the same. I expect you to have the skills. So there's no excuse. You walk on that pitch, and then you're into their mindset. So every one of them, I used to say, with all the training drills, if you're the best in this training drill, you're the best player at the club. And then you, they were all, and no, no matter what position, they all want to be the best because it's a competitive. And all you're doing is stimulating them and they're at it and it's one, two, and then you could go on and coach. And they were a great bunch of boys. And they all had their attributes. They all had their attributes. You can look at Big Drapes. Big Drapes probably was the one that's saying, I'm not really that uh, out and out footballer. Right? right? But by Christ, did you know half try? and yeah. become the best that it could be mm-hmm. and never left what it, what it brought you know that drive getting the ball back you know that determination what I needed in the team mm-hmm. what I needed in the team but you had to play a wee bit of mind games with him because I think Drake's always felt I'm always in so pre-season you left him out you put him back in <laughs> and he sent himself I better, get, I better get my finger out my backside here I might get left out you know mm-hmm. but what he brought to the table and, and others you know, yeah. and every one of them played a part, uh, and it was fantastic. But it was going on that training pitch, and then just total stimulation, putting your ideas over to them. And my ideas is quite simple. And this is this is just basics, me telling you how I do it. 
But 11 v 11, right? Okay, they've got a goalkeeper, I've got a goalkeeper, right? They don't play against each other, right? So that's 10 v 10, and they go, aye, aye, that's right, right, okay. Right, my goalkeeper's got the ball, right? Right, okay, he's got the ball, right? Now, I've got two wingers, and I've got a centre-forward, right? Right, okay. I say, you've got two full-backs, and you've got two centre-halves. You can see them. Aye, right, okay. <laughs> right, fine. Can you take that right out of the game then? I said, because you've got two full-backs will mark my two wingers and two centre-halves will get my centre-forward. Right, I take that right out of the game, right? Now, my goalkeeper's got the ball, and you know now I've got 8v6. Eight, eight what? <laughs> I've got 8v6. I've got I've got, now, if I give you an 8v6 possession and you can play anywhere you want, the eight's going to dominate the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so now my goalkeeper's a footballer. Now, when I'm talking about centre forward, my eight, my other one's the other centre forward that plays the 10, but comes away into midfield, the centre half will not come well. So that's where you get your overload. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was Ryan Christie. And then they just rotated that either Pansy would come in between the centre halves and get it, and Ryan would fall in there. And we would pop it and just keep popping it. In the other half, I could only take them as far as over the halfway line into the final third. That was total exp- express yourself. Go and express yourself. Go go in there. But then you're talking to guys like your fullbacks, uh, David Raven and Shinny. Uh, you're saying, I don't want you to play as fullbacks. I want you to play as wingers. I want you the best form of defence is attack. And you could just see Shinny's eyes lighting up. What? <laughs> He just went, he was like a steam train. But I knew, because I'm sitting talking to my coaches and I'm saying, that just might suit us a wee bit. Because they'll have to put a marker on Shinny because he's constant, non-stop. And David Raven gets here. But David just David just tucked in a wee bit and gave us that cover. And that's exactly what I was after. And then, and so it's all right. And then telling them what I expect. That's your job. I expect that. That's what I expect from you. When it come, comes in the box and you know there, then you'll hear me. <laughs> but, and it's all that stuff and then working on it working on it showing them their passes if you get it and it all filters back is, so if my goalie's got the ball my free man's my number 10 how do they go and get him how do they go and pick him up if it's a midfielder goes back and pick him up then my centre midfielder's my free man if a striker goes and gets him then my centre half's my free man if they all match up and the winger goes away back and gets tucked in to get my number 10, my left back or my right back's my free man. And that was it. And then once you can see them getting it, you go, oh. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to do it in layman's terms. Bring it right down, don't make it so. And then you see them going, oh, I've got that. Is that right? That's 8v6. That's right. And then if anyone is sceptical or a defender, you say, well, I'll tell you what. You go and play centre-half. And if that number 10 or strikers walking away in here, you got to come with them? No. Well, that's it. It works. Trust me. And that was it. So it was creating all these overloads and passing the ball. No point in doing it. We've got to put it forward. Our strengths in our own half, passing it, moving them about. Right. And that's where all the training come in. So 8v6 training sessions, playing out for the back, plus on the other side, the six of them going to press, get the ball back. So there was times where you would just say, listen, this team want to play at the back, this is how we got to press it. So that's where all the work was done. So that's, I that's, I, I, sorry, go, Andrew. No, no, you go, Stevie. You go. No, it's, 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 okay. I'm just going to ask you a question, John, and I'm, I, every player I talk to, I always, I always bring this up about you, is I remember seeing you in the flesh as a, as a footballer. See, for you, you were a no-nonsense centre-half, right? And um, 
a thorough centre half. I mean, I don't, I don't think you'd be a ball playing centre half in these times. But how do you go from that player, right, who was a no-nonsense centre half, wouldn't take any bleep off anyone, to becoming a football purist? Did you did you always have that philosophy in your mind when you were playing, or did this develop as you get older and you're sort of coaching? No, no, that, that was in for me. Uh, so young, young, young age, it was in me uh, for my father. My father was a fantastic footballer, mm-hmm. inside forward back in the day, left left foot, right foot. I was going to sign Rangers banged on the door as a kid. I was going to sign him until they found out his religion way back in the day. Mm-hmm. I had a trial for the Great Dundee team, uh, a real good footballer, uh, and it was him passable, passable, passable. But it was just it always intrigued me, even when I was at Falkirk. Even looking away back then, it was right in me, passing the ball, passing the ball. And then, as you say, no-nonsense centre-half, because I love to go and head the ball and attack it and put my head in where others wouldn't put their foot in. That was my game, wearing my heart on my sleeve. I always felt it was uh, football was you against your opponent, and it was no matter what, that was it. But there was more to it than that. Uh, but you don't go and play for Glasgow Celtic, if trust me, if you can't pass the ball. So I, I had and especially in Tommy Burns' team. So I had a wee bit about myself and how to pop it and how to pass it. And it all just comes with experience and experience and learning and watching. And, and that, what I says to you, although I was a centre-half, doesn't stop you becoming the best footballer that you can become. You know, playing with guys like DeCanio and Paul McStay and John Collins, even right back to my Falkirk days, real good footballers in terms of Kevin McAllister, Davey Weirs, all these guys, and you're watching and you see, what has he got in his locker that I've not got? But I was always into the coaching. I'd done my B badge as a professional. I think I was about 25 mm-hmm. when I'd done my badge. I was always wanting to get my coaching. But it intrigued me. It intrigued me, and I just feel that that's the way football should be. Listen, everybody at their own, there's plenty of ways to win a football match. I'm no knocking anyone, but... If I want to pay my money, I want to get entertained. And the problem is, and that's problem. At times, maybe at Inverness, or even across Scottish football, I sometimes don't know if the supporters know exactly what they're watching. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, you're uh, right. And I have to say that, and I'm not having a go or anything, no, no, right, exactly right. what they're watching. But Because when you look, I'll give you an example, when you watch Man City now, they've, they've been brought up on the Pep Guardiola, and they know what they're watching. You got no soul, you rubber bumpers! Football fans always look back on things fondly and obviously we've been in a bit of a downward, downward spiral these last uh, uh, three or four years. But, you know, so now we can look upon your tenure and especially 14-15 as the glory days, you know, the golden years. Um, I think 14-15, we had 38 league games, one league cup tie, we lost very narrowly, uh, six Scottish Cup matches, only 12 defeats out of 45 games in total. But you started off playing, I think, 4-5-1 that season. You had... Tansy and Draper in behind the midfield three of Doran, Watkins and Christie. You got Vincent and Williams coming in and out when needed. But then there was times where you would tweak it, wouldn't you? You would switch to a four-four-two, or you would do little positional things that maybe the fan might not understand. I was, I, we were sort of wondering what sort of insights to that would you maybe give to the players that would influence the formation, i.e., sort of opposition defenders' strengths and weaknesses or other teams' formations, John. Yeah, it was all done on a match report. The match report used to come in on a Monday afternoon. 
So usually after the game on the Saturday, the Monday morning was basically hard work and recovery session. And the players that didn't play, the subs, they got what really hard. Uh, and I'm no one for this. I'm always, you know, you, you, you betraying. But it wasn't anything tactical Monday. It was getting that, and that was it, getting them away after that. And then we got to work on the Monday afternoon with a report come in. And my report, it's just a basically filling it in because the questions that I ask is, um, did they play out for the back? Who's the weakest centre-half? What midfielder comes back to get it? Um, what system do they play? And then for, for the Monday afternoon, you start building up um, your game preparation, how you're going to beat them, because it's my job to actually, before we go out, on really on the Thursday, Friday, you've actually played the game on the training pitch. And it maybe just be standing still, walking in here, walking there, wee bits of passages they play, but you really want to say, so when the guys go on a Saturday, they're actually, they're saying to themselves, I've already played this game, because your preparation's been that good. Your preparation's saying, is it, this is what he says what would happen. This is how we've got to beat them. And that, that, that's how in-depth on the preparation that we went. Didn't get it right all the time. We didn't get it right. But we were at the stage, we were at the stage, I felt it was only halfway there. I still felt where we were at now with my coaching staff, we were working with 10 men. Uh, what happens if we get 10 men? What do we do? Right, 4 4 1, right? That's what everybody else does. I'm not doing that. That, that's, that pisses me off. That's what everybody else does. That keeps you in the game. I'm not bothered if we're 10 men. How can we still go and get the, get, keep the ball and get at teams? Right, what about playing with three at the back, three in midfield, and three up front? So you've still got your two wingers. You're still very aggressive up front. You've still got your three in midfield that can dominate it. If they come down the, if they're if you're getting attacked, they come down the left hand side, then your right centre half switch, he knocks over, he knocks over, he knocks over, you leave the furthest one away. But your sitting midfielders can drop into centre half. So that's where we were where I was trying to take it. Also, if you're winning two now and you're playing a four, four, one, one or whatever it is, and you're winning two now at half time. The opposition manager's in there. He's doing what I'm doing on the tactics board. He says, listen, this is what they're doing. This is where they're causing us problems. And they've made the changes to suit for them in the second half. Mm-hmm. What happens if we come out in the second half and we're playing five at the back? Yeah. We've just come for the four and we've got five at the back, shooting midfield, two up front. Their manager's sitting going, what the Christ is he doing now? <laughs> but to do it when you're winning 2-0 at half time, mm-hmm. you need everybody on board because right. if it backfires, you're a dumpling. <laughs> you know, and, but, and, but you're only a genius if it works. Aye. But the boys were sort of saying to yourself, because the boys were up for that, the boys were saying, oh, aye. We used to play Aberdeen. Right? Aberdeen could, towards the end, Aberdeen couldn't beat us. We used to football them. That's why I think Derek sings so many Inverness players. <laughs> we used to football them. You know, because we just, I think we were their bogey team and we had their number. But the boys, you could see them coming in, you could see the boys. It was a case of, let's be patient, let's keep that ball, let's keep moving it, even if we have to start again, move it and move it. Uh, and it was fantastic, it really was. But just sitting doing for hours and hours and hours, just sitting doing on a tactic sport, you know, drawing up, draw this, what about that, what would you do? I would come in here, well, if you come in here, that leaves him free. I'm going to work on that on the training pitch. Sometimes you'll be like, no, that doesn't work. But it was constantly, constantly, even right down to serious. There was a time we played uh, um, the 4 3 3, 
but instead of playing with wingers, you wouldn't notice that with wingers. We never played the wingers to the outside of the full-back on the touchline. We played them inside the full-back. So the centre-half, so it's in between the centre-half and the full-back, and so is that one. And the centre-half said, I'm picking them up. The full-back said, I'm picking them up. And mm-hmm. our centre-forwards are way back into midfield like the false nine. We mm-hmm. were doing all that. We were doing that. We were doing that. And you were saying, you know, the story was good at getting in there, yeah. getting in, yeah. and all that. And the one that picked it up, Probably the best was probably Aaron Dorange. Mm. Uh, and the thing about it is, Andrew, if you're playing, if you're playing, just say you're playing left winger against me and I'm right back and I'm physically, I've got you. I'm, and I'm, I'm physically, I'm battering you. You can't run me. You can't drop me. <laughs> and I've got you. And then I'm giving you a problem. I'm so, what you're going to do, just stand there and no influence the game. You say, well, that's, you've got, so you, uh, if you ever come up against that, you say, right, okay, nice to meet you. I'll see you later. I'm going away in an area that we know he's coming into. So as soon as he comes into it, the other teammate has to move. Where the fullback then says, I'm not going in there because if I go in there, you know, I'm out of position. So he stays here. So now he's in there floating about on his own, getting the ball, getting, now he's taking part in the game. If the fullback comes with him, and just take him with, just keep him on the lead. Just keep walking him, walking him. No, that full back area, that right back area is free. That's all Shinny's or Carlos. Mm-hmm. And I don't know any right wingers that want to play full back. They're like, ah, Jesus Christ, I'm playing full back. They'll keep going, don't disappoint them. <laughs> was, uh, was there any league games I mean we're going to talk about the semi-final and the final uh, just in a minute or two but was there any league games that stood out there for you John the one that stands out for it I mean obviously we talk about us beating Celtic in the semi a lot but I think just four games into the season we're beating them 1-0 then it was Marley Watkins it was Marley Watkins that um, scored that goal that day was it a wee sort of long goal I mean was it Marley Watkins Stevie it was an own goal. It was an own goal. It was Marley that made it. I think it was Marley that made it. The one thing, that's what I'm saying. I've sort of touched on it. I've not really went into depth in terms of all their strengths and weaknesses. What Draper had, um, Tanji couldn't do, and what Tanji had, Draper, and what Marley had. Marley was, Marley's a freak of nature. In terms of all my time in football, I've never worked with a fitter, quicker boy. And when I say quick, I mean quick for 90 minutes or extra time. That time doing at uh, Easter Road in the semi-final, Marley played like two men. He was up, he was back, he was up, he was fit as a fiddle. And if you ask any of the, any of the boys pre-season, Marley could do it running backwards. He was, honestly, he was, he was up for it, he was easy. Marley was, he was a runner. And that was, that was another big decision that I had because after losing Billy Mackay, who was a natural goal scorer, you're losing the goals, you're saying to yourself, what do we do for centre-forward? I said, Marley will do us centre-forward because he can run. As soon as Marley runs that way, that gives everybody a chance to play and stretch. And he used to say to Marley, first couple of balls, we're going over the top, you make sure you win the race. Centre-half's got that, and they start, oh. When it goes back, if you are the two centre-halves and one of the strikers is away, and you're gone and you're one-on-one left with Marley Watkins, you've not got to win the race. That's why two play against one. So it was all that stuff. Uh, it was great, but that probably the game that Celtic probably kicked us on. And I can remember it. John Collins was the assistant manager at the time, and I can remember it. We pressed him, and Celtic kept kicking it. And I was I was looking, doing something to Collins, and saying, 
Well, you were a football team and a <laughs> could see the steam coming out of his ears because we pressed him because we worked on the press game as well. You know how to press them, don't let them out because we always felt if you let Celtic get started, uh, you, you would go chasing it. And when you go chasing it, they start playing in the spaces in behind you. Uh, so we, that's what we wanted. But to win that gave us the confidence yeah. uh, and the momentum to keep going forward, enjoy it, and just keep it what we're doing to ourselves. Because mm-hmm. what we're doing, we're doing something special here. And I kept saying that, that was a message I kept repeating. Every team meeting, we're onto something special. This is our time. We're not going to be together, but let's when we are, let's make it special. The only way to do that is win. Let's keep winning, let's keep winning. I think you made a few that year as well, John. I think we were, before you came in under Terry, we were always seen as a, a good away team. And that season, we only lost, I think we only lost two home games in the league that season. Uh, so, so we turned the stadium into a bit of fortress, which was a total flip from before where we were seen as an away side. We always did well away, but home form was never the best. Um, I, well, I think you have to give Terry a lot of credit. Terry, all the players were there. Terry done a lot of credit. All the hard work, was, you know, all that was there. I could just come in and sort of put my spin on it. Mm-hmm. And took it a different direction that I felt that the players were desperate to go, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so, you, and you know, all the recruitment, the players I'm talking about, they were all there, you know. I just needed to get one or two and just tweak it a wee bit for mm-hmm. my style of play. And mm-hmm. these boys were brilliant. And then, so was the chairman, right down to the chairman, you know, you just know you needed to know how to play, Kenny. You know, you would get together and you'd say, right, okay, because the players need to see change as well. And you're saying, right, I'm wanting that training surface better. I'm wanting it all lined. I'm wanting all my boxes, all my possession line. I'm wanting markers. I'm wanting everything white, big, thick white lines, white poles, bibs immaculate, training kit immaculate, new goals, wee goals. So when the boys come in and it's all set up, the boys walk on the training pitch, you can go, wow, this place is taking off. And it doesn't did, cost. Did you get all that, John? You know, did, did you actually yeah? get all? Did you get all that though? Does it, well, that's how you have to play. That's how you have to play the chairman. You sort of just got the chairman. Just you by the way, chairman. The goals. Because when I first went in, it was uh, the goals were. Uh, it was cemented into the ground, uh, and, and it was a big, and the bar was like this, and you're saying no, no, and then my roll goes to, and you're saying right, okay, right, I'm wanting to roll it goals with the wheels on, all the vehicles, for all my stuff. And eventually, you're so chairman, we've not got that kind of money, we've not got And eventually, you would go in and you'd say to the chairman, listen, chairman, that, the fans group's going to pay for that. The fans group, we've been on the fans group, the fans group know the dilemma, they've got to pay for it. That'll be right. I'll, we'll get them, we'll get them. And all that stuff the And you just right. need to know, and the wee chairman, he played his part. Uh, ah, it's good, it's good. But the players then start seeing the change. You start seeing the change, you go, wow, this is, the surfaces, the trainers, can we get the, the groomsmen up there cutting it and rolling it? Can they get it up there and lining it and lining? So when you're going into a wee 16 by 8 box, it's all lined. It's not just cones, yeah. and the boys are going, all right, so, and then that was it. For McDonald, up the castle, the rest men, we cheese hustle, Jerry Heavers, CCTV, PC's pizzas, to the city. We're going to talk about the semi-final now, Stevie. Oh, I mean, I think the players even say this. I mean, it's I've been going to games since 1994, and in 26 years, it's the best game I've ever been at. I mean, that was I was a lot of, I was a lot of fans' cup final was the Celtic semi-final. Um, the performance of the players. I mean, you've got to hand it to the likes of Josh Meekins, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. We got, we got very lucky. 
but the yeah. game was fantastic. Uh, it really was. I can remember saying to the chairman, because the chairman used to come down the office all the time, and we used to sit and talk football and chew the fat and all that stuff. And, you know, you're cousin them and all that. And we, we, the, I can honestly remember the Scottish Cup getting mentioned. I said, what would you do if we win it, chairman? He says, yeah, I would build AstroTurf, I'd put an AstroTurf, make it more community and all that stuff. That was his mm-hmm. bit of it. As you say, eventually, to go and win the Scottish Cup, you're going to have to beat one half of the old firm eventually. And then that game, as you say, it was absolutely fantastic. All, all the roller coaster, all the emotions, high lows, Josh should have got sent off. But a lot of the stuff we done in that game come into fruition. Mm-hmm. We got luck. We got lucky with the George. George sent off and Gordon got sent off. But the reason Gordon got sent off, if you watch, when we get corners against us, always left three players up the pitch. What yeah. to be different? I'm no god this. Everybody back at park. How can you score a goal? And that day, when Marley went through, it was a short corner, got headed out, and Marley eventually got put in. Aye, right, Chris, he stuck him up the wing, yeah? Mm-hmm. Aye, once you got stuck in, they're not going to catch him. Who was the defender? Adam Matthews, wasn't he? He done Adam Matthews, Matthews for pace. He's meant to be quick. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Marley's mm-hmm. off, and he overrun it, which mm-hmm. should come into Gordon, but he's that quick to get the touch around him. Yeah, tore it. Gordon had no option. Mm-hmm. And then, obviously, the penalty, and all the time it takes to take the penalty, and Tanji... Uh, but they making a substitution. Took a um, while, didn't it? They done us a favour because they took James Forrest off. That's right. Uh, they took Forrest off and that sort of really sort of swung it. You don't want to be playing Inverness when the way we keep the ball. But it's Glasgow Celtic you're playing, even down to 10 men. You know, with that support that they've got, you're saying to yourself, we're going to have to be. But I was at them. You know, even this is the best time. We'll go, this is it. This is it. This is our time. This is our time. Everything we'll be talking about. You know, don't, you know, don't leave it in the dressing room. Make sure we're at it. Make sure we're at it. Uh, so that penalty was something that we worked on, and to get the winning goal, you know, one of your fullbacks. What I said earlier in the podcast, you know, two fullbacks playing like winners. To get the winning goal, Shinny doing what he did, working it across, and David Raven coming in on the back post to put it in. Uh, absolutely fantastic we've, we've talked, talked a lot I mean we're like the, we, we saw the attacking fullbacks all season and we've talked a lot about that I've heard you talk about that in the other pods and we've heard you know talk about Tansy's passing you know we, we know about all these strengths that that team had um, but given that you know Liverpool have just won the league Marley Watkins essentially on top of Van Dyke. tell us about that what, what uh, weaknesses did you see the best defender in the world that uh, no one else saw. Well, we had to stop on playing and um, we had to make it a very difficult day. And going right back, I went to see Celtic in the midweek. They were playing against Kilmarnock. And after 20 minutes, I put my book away. I knew the match report was getting done. I was just looking for a... And I just said, right, I was with a good friend of mine, a boy called Neil Oliver that I played with. Uh, okay. yeah. And uh, he says, what are you doing? Uh, I says I've got it. He says, and he sort of he says, what you see? Tell me, he was at me. What you see? And I said, I've got to press him. I say, if you give Van Dyke and Denier too much time to play, they just stroll it and they pop it and they pop it. And what you do is you end up. So what? What our tactics was? I think it was Lee Griffiths and I think it was Jonathan Johansson. I knew my centre halves were got to win the header. So Marley Watkins and Edward O'Ferry right up against the two centre halves. The two winners right up against the full-backs, match up in midfield. So Craig Gordon had nowhere to go. He had to kick it, he had to kick it. And we squeezed the guy. The game real. 
It's not as if he's kicking it to an Edward O'Feary where you're going to you know, maybe get my centre half we're going to head the ball. Mm. But what happened was as soon as the goalie kicked it, the instructions were the wingers then in and one of the strikers in. So we had a five uh, three, three in midfield and we would get the second ball with our lowest to go and play. And it worked a treat. It worked a treat, but a little bit of psychology as well because you know, I started off with Big O'Feary. Uh, called him into the office and there was listen everybody thinks football football see if you walked into uh, an Inverness stadium when we were there at my time we were there you would be going this is this is like oh, empty I'm not at home oh, just the stuff that we're on the banter and all the laughs we're out there shouting on him Edward so he cut, we got him anyway we got him in the office and I'm saying and he's looking I'm saying Who's that newspaper? And I'm kidding on, there's a newspaper looking for a newspaper. I says, Kells, where's the newspaper? There's no newspaper. I says, Edward, you get a chance of a newspaper, there'll be one in the dressing room. I says, a boy denier in there saying that you, you're easy, you can't move, you're this and all that. <laughs> Big Edward just went like, I just turned around, just went like, because they're great, but both like that time, just like, <laughs> we will see. <laughs> and I looked at Kells, and Kells looked at me, and he went, Kells, and he went, oh! I said, right, get the next, because I knew the tactics, it was he two pressing for the front. I said, right, get Marley, and I got Marley, and I says, Marley. Well, and he, Marley's always suspicious, looking about, what have I done, what, what's going on? I said, listen, relax. I says, you can win us a cup. I says, but you've got the hardest job in the team. I says, you're playing against the best centre-half in Scotland. I says, hey, Van Dyke, I says, you can't touch a ball. I says, you give him a bloody nose, and want you knock him on his backside, and know just once. For the start to the end, he cannot get started. Marley, I think he turned around and says, Is that mean I'm playing? So you're playing. I says, That's your job. I says, You don't. I says, You give him a hard time. And that was it. And they two just went right about their business. And the rest of us, you know, we just we, we got it. But we carried a little bit of luck. But to score three goals against Celtic, yeah. you know, and Edwards go, where would they forget? And there was a time in the game, even at 11 v 11, we were better than Celtic. For 20 minutes, we oh. were better in Celtic. We were popping that. We were better in Celtic. And it just come. It just come. Massive underdogs had nothing to lose. Uh, but to win it, you're like, oh, wow. Oh, unbelievable. Where did, get, uh, where did you get Big Eddie from? Because like he came from nowhere. He's like a bit of a... a He's cult, a mess, isn't he? Yeah, a cult, mysterious, isn't he? Mysterious guy. Well, that was, something that, we, that, that was something that we had to put in place as well with, with, with the chairman. The chairman says, listen, you can bring trialists in. There was times, you're at the club, everybody hangs football. That's what I'm saying. Everybody hangs football. You come over, right, fly over, we'll put you up in the, the five-star hotel and we'll do this and we'll look and all that stuff. There's nothing. Uh, we've not got that kind of money. That's why. So sometimes if trialists would come and stay with me, I'd say, listen, come over. But I used to say to the chairman, I can't ask him to pay for our own flights. So what we've done with chairman said, right, to ask him to pay for our own flights, if we sign him, we'll reimburse him. So that was a sort of deal that helped a little bit. Mm-hmm. And Big Edward, he come over, he wasn't, wasn't fit, but we sort of kept him, and I'm just saying, I need that kind of striker, especially with Richie being injured. Mm-hmm. You know, it should have been Richie for him. That was Richie's, but... Right. And that was it, he come in and we got him fit. And if you speak to Josh Meekins, you know, no players, all my players got on with each other, but if you, you have to see the ding-dongs, eh, you have to have them, you were in the middle of the time, oh, calm down, you used to, having a kick at each other, mm-hmm. the two of them, and after that, the best of mates, mm-hmm. and Edward was just a big, quiet, unassuming guy, but a real talent, played with Malmo. Ah, uh, Sweden, that's right. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
it was his strength was getting it in for the sides. Anything down there, it would get beat, but getting in for the sides. I think he scored a goal in his debut against Motherwell. Boom, header. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he played his part. He played his part. It was a funny, funny big boy. He was in terms of, you know, one of these guys that you, you never see him near the gym, but he takes his top off and he's just. Mm-hmm. I used to say, hey, anyway, Edward, you're my mind minder. Any use nupties, why? You know, I know the boys just laugh, but no. And that was the other secret, boys, that mm-hmm. Steve and Andrew. See all the boys, see the social, the wives, the girlfriends, the social, because we were all in Inverness. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't a night out, which and courage get going, you know, I'm, they would, you would go down to one of the shopping malls and they're, they're all sitting out there having teas and coffees and having a bit of banter and talking football and all that stuff. Everybody takes that for granted. Trust me, I've been at Hibs and I've been at Celtic where as soon as training's finished, Aye, don't go away. Can't, can't get in the car quick enough and go away. Mm-hmm. And I think that played a massive, massive part of, of the success because we could train in the afternoon as well. And the mm-hmm. boys were saying, can we, can we do a bit in the afternoon? Yeah, no other time because you had to keep them fresh. But I right, come on, let's go. What about the what about the Scottish Cup final itself? Was it a bit was it a bit bittersweet for you, given that that's two Falkirk. Scottish Cup finals you've been involved in now, and both of them have involved Falkirk, and both times you know Falkirk, a club close to your heart, you know, come away losers. Well, well, what happened was it was being massive underdogs against Celtic. It was it swung. We were yeah. the massive favourites, and it's how do you handle that? But well, as as the staff, it's not a case of just. Uh, Rumbling up and say, right, it will happen. You know, you're aware of that. Do you think that'll affect our style of play? What about this? How can we handle it? And then going into the final, that's where I felt the League Cup final of the year before played a massive part mm-hmm. because I don't think the preparation was good enough for the League Cup final. We still stayed up at Inverness, trained at Fort George, and we never got to train on the team pitch, the first team pitch, going into a cup final. I said, no, 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 no. I said, oh, well, I never I put us on a wee, a wee sort of, you know, because all the boys are into me saying, can we not train on the pitch? You know, you're training on the first team pitch. No. So we went down to that. So I said, right, that's not happening again. So I was writing it to the chairman, saying, listen, we want to go away. We want to go, to be fair, the chairman went, right, what do you need? I said, we want to go away for three days. I said, uh, we want to be down there where it's about an hour to get into handing. The reason for that, because I wanted them to be on the, the experience on the bus, mm. going to Hamden, let them let them get their mindset right, going there, but seeing all the fans and taking it all in and all that stuff. And then it was just a case of getting training facilities. And we phoned everyone up, everyone's all their training pitches were getting reseeded. And Livingston says, yeah, you can train on the first team pitch. We said, right, so we matched up the hotel, we stayed at, uh, opposite the Edinburgh airport. Uh, five minutes into Livingston and the preparation was fantastic. I only had two or three problems going into it. David Raven was carrying an injury but I said I'd give him right up to the last minute to see if he could get over it and it was a toss-up between either Danny Williams or Aaron Dorans. and then I picked Aaron Dorans, which sort of was a masterstroke because when you see the goal with Marley scored the first oh, one What a ball through it? It was Dorans on that wee mazy run, picking mm. it up, playing left wing, but picking it up in that pocket, what I talked about. I'm playing left wing, but I'm not playing against you. I've got to take you away in here. I've got to get an influence again. And just that toe pop pass. 
and Marley is on it, boom, back in the net. Was that coach, John? Yeah. The, 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 see the pass? I mean, it's good you brought it up because people forget how good a ball that is by Doran through to Watkins. Was that coached the week before or was that trained? Into well, it wasn't a coach, but that was it. See what it says to you in that final third. It was total expression. You, you go and play and yeah. go and take people on. Don't let me, you know, if you want to beat people and all that stuff. I've took you here. It's up to you. But I knew Doran's had that in his locker that he could dip and weave. So there was a wee bit in the back of my head saying that's why I went with Aaron. Uh, but it was him that implemented it and done it. An absolutely fantastic. And Marley, as you say, right on it, broke like a flash. But if you look at the goal, the fullbacks are way in with Dorans, mm-hmm. which actually when they passed it, if the fullback had stayed and Aaron did pass it, the fullback would have caught it, but he's away in there when Aaron I so when he passed it. Marley's went into the fullback space because he's in with Dorans and it's in the back of the net. Mm-hmm. So it's worked. And then I thought after that, I thought we stopped playing after that. Yeah, really <laughs> so did we. I thought, these are morning boys. So we got them in at half time, got into them a wee bit at half time and say, listen, once again, you know, we're no, we're no thinking about standing up there, we're no seeing ourselves lifting, lifting the cup, we're staying in the process. The process is, you know, we took it right back, didn't we? One forty-five minute at a time. Now we go out there, it's now, now we start again, we've no played well. Mm. Um, and then when it, when it started, the, the second half started, you're looking at, and I felt that uh, Marley and Edward were just staying. When Falkirk got the ball, we needed a hand back in midfield, Draper and um, Draper and Tanji uh, needed a hand back in midfield. And we were ready to do the substitution, but the story, you know the story goes, the morning in the cup final, we're doing having breakfast, down having breakfast, and I see, I see Kells, I see to Kells, are you all right? <laughs> not feeling great he says but I'll be alright he says I've took two laxatives he says so I'll be alright he, he says I'll get it so the time when that time and it comes in the important part of the game we're looking to make a substitute I turned the room because Kel does all the substitutes and all the stuff and who going on to pick up with her corners and this job there's no Kel's and I'm going off my head where is he where is he he's at the toilet so <laughs> so we win we win the Scottish Cup with him in the toilet, uh, <laughs> doing a number two because of the laxatives. And then eventually, as you say, we, uh, we got, eventually we got James Vincent on. And James Vincent uh, needs a special mention because when I first went in, Terry Butcher went to Hibs. James Vincent uh, went, uh, tried to sign him for Hibs and he went to look at Easter Road and all that stuff. Uh, and they come back and I think that, he, that the players were saying to him, listen, you'll enjoy it here with the training that we're, we're doing and all that stuff. And he decided to stay. Uh, and for him to stay, you know, stay at Inverness, but score the winning goal. And how he done it, I do not know. Because Carlo had been sent off, so we're down to 10 men. And Vinny had to go back and play right back instead of that second striker. He had to play right back. Had you had you coached like a, a 10 v 11? Did, did the players been set up to know what formation? It was a wee bit set up because we knew who the referee was, no disrespect, Willie Collum. James had to go on to right back. So to get, a right, get from right back to get on the end of the goalkeeper's parry, I don't know how we do it. But him and Marley were the best of mates and he's the only guy that could probably work out what Marley was going to do. And then soon as it went in, you're like, ah, well, we've got it. But I have to be honest, I was saying that before that goal went in, I'm saying we need to get a, we need to get the game over, get the injury time to reassess it and get them in. Because mm-hmm. um, we were on the ropes. And maybe Falkirk lost it. 
having a go, you know, try to win it. And many a time I played in uh, in the derbies. I think my record up there in the derbies. I think I think they only beat us twice or twenty beating Ross County. Mm. And many a time you're sitting watching when Ross County is on top, and you would just turn around the Kells and see or Russell. You just turn and say it's no problem. Says we'll we'll score. Boom, back the net. Because you knew the team had that resilience. Mm-hmm. You know, in that way, in that sort of that spirit, is no matter if it weren't on top, we could do it the other way as well. Mm-hmm. Well, say, that, that was Carlos, probably Carlos' biggest game of his career, and there he is getting sent off. And I was just doing a little bit of prep for this. I was looking at some of the some of the history books, and uh, I saw it was quite similar to yourself. I think when you signed for your beloved Hibs, uh, it was a nil nil draw in November '96. Mm-hmm. What happened in that mm-hmm. game? <laughs> well, I gave him, I went up for a corner and the ball got played, uh, played in for the corner and Big Jules Russie come to catch it and I clattered him. <laughs> <laughs> I just left a bit on him just to let him know you will be coming for them all the time. You know? <laughs> uh, he was up in arms and I was just running back out the box and a couple of Hearts players were chasing me. And I was running back there and the boy Stefan Paye, the French striker, he's dead right. now, God rest mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. He, he's giving it all and I just patted him on the head. I just done this. And he went doing like a ton of bricks and the next day he came in it and the linesman's flags up. Then mm. John Robertham sent me off and I says to John, I said, John, you know I've never, and we've spoke about it, I think we've mentioned it once, but it's a stupid linesman. These guys that get involved, in, that's why they're linesmen, get involved. And I've seen that in football. People, you know, they go doing, oh, it must be a free kick. Why? Just because they've fell down, they've fallen down. And it's a bit of a game that I don't like, but we just have to do it. But that was it. Carlo, and there was no sort of anger towards Carlo. It was more remorse to say, oh, Jesus, Carlo, I know you've been there. Right? I'm sorry about that. I get there. And really getting assessed, uh, you know, getting the, getting the team ready just to go again, but to win it in a way. Our name was on it. Our name was on it. Mm. Then don't ask me what happened after that. I can't remember. <laughs> Where do you want to drink? Well, 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 well. The Glen Alvin, the Sicilian, the Jolly Trooper, the Castle Topper, the Cupcus Chaucer, Dives a Gallon, the City Bar, number 27. We'll go on, we'll go on to your final season. You're, you know, we, fight, we kick off that season doing something that you know, Riley and I and loads of guys, even but older see, than us, would never have thought possible. Aye, you know? uh, because Europe's, the, although there was at two cup finals and Mm-hmm. The biggest, one of the other biggest thing is, it wasn't a flash in the pan, because we finished third in the, in the SPL. Yeah, we beat Dundee, we were, in, we were in Europe before the cup final, because we beat Dundee. Right. And so, but that tells you it was a right good team, and mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't a flash in the pan, and no. it was your bread and butter. And there was a lot of it hanging on to Kells. Honestly, just a wee simple thing like that, Kells used to say, we'd come in, you get into Europe, I'll take the, tracing, the training with a man Keeney on. And that's what he used to say. Mm-hmm. So see, after the game, all the boys kept on it and we kept it going. And as the season went on and we were staying there and staying there, Kelsey's like, Kelsey's not like me. Says, and all the boys, another one doing Kelsey, get that man Keeney ready. And that was a banter that was in the dressing room. And uh, to be fair to him, he done it. It wasn't a pretty yeah. sight, but he done I've it. I've seen the photos. Oh, <laughs> let's let go with the clappers. Have <laughs> you ever seen the, so you've seen the video when they film them at the transit? Aye, aye, aye. I think Josh Beakins and uh, Greg Tansy that were filming it because Gary Warren was driving the van. That's the funniest thing. Well, I was in my car behind it. That's behind right. The van. But the van's, <laughs> going, the van's going through the town, so Kells went, oh, oh. Uh, got his, uh, so he's actually opened the door and jumped. And the wee legs are burning. <laughs> He's coming on the wig on. I was in the car behind him with Russell. Mm-hmm. 
and he's trying to get in my car and he put the button right through the travel lights. <laughs> oh, I couldn't have moved. I think he had to run back up and jumped in the van with the kids. But oh, yeah. but that was it. Um, and I think somebody sent a video into Soccer EM. That's right. And I think Helen Chambers and said, oh, that's not a pretty sight. He <laughs> 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 was taking pelters. He was taking pelters. See, before we finish the season in Europe, John, um, one question. I, don't, I think you've answered it, but big best achievement, finishing third in the league and winning the Scottish Cup. What was the bigger achievement for you? No, it was finishing third in the league and doing Aye. what we did. It was absolutely fantastic. And mm-hmm. every team that we played got a wee bit of that football. It never happened all, but take a bit of that, take a mm-hmm. bit of that. You know, you were talking to managers after. Oh, no, no, that's what our managers keep it to, to their cell. There was only two managers that come out, and, and one was Ronnie Dyler. He's Inverness is the best team we've, football team we've played. Yeah. And one was Mark McGee after we beat him in the Scottish Cup. He says, when you play against Inverness, he says, like playing against Celtic, they rotate the positions and pop up all over the place. And that alone, when you're getting that kind of compliment, you say to yourself, we must be doing something right. Exactly. But the Europe, going back to Europe, getting further in the league, it took us into Europe. Uh, it was absolutely brilliant. And although, you know what was great about it? For me, and I'm not patronising the supporters over in Romania. You know, we were obviously we were doing our training and that, but the feedback and the, we were hearing that the supporters were right and we all the other locals and it was part of part of part. But someone that will stick stick with me when we played the game, they were all penned in, but the dugout was like facing the pitch and that was just to my left and my shoulder. Oh, the corner. Mm-hmm. And they were all penned in. And that was someone that would stay with me for the rest of my days because it was non-stop. They were just they were going for it and they were non-stop. I think they were all steaming, mind you. I was out of being a lager, I'll tell you, I'm strong. Yeah, apart from <laughs> the, the lager at the game was non-alcoholic, so you couldn't you couldn't get a drink at the game. I absolutely couldn't get a drink Seriously? at the game. <laughs> no, no, no lager. My disappointment in all that is I think we gave them too much respect in the first game at Inverness. I agree. Mm-hmm. I, felt, I, I felt we gave him too much of respect, and I felt even Big Vonners might have, even the free kick, might have aye. done a little bit better. Aye, aye. Mm-hmm. And uh, we gave him too much respect, and so after that, and even me, you didn't know you're coming up because it's hard to get your match reports on. Right. We're getting, we're getting bits and pieces coming back. But I felt the boys went right. Come on, and we, we gave them. We run our luck a wee bit in the second half, in the second leg, because we went for it. Mm-hmm. But we could have, we could have just nicked it there. We could have nicked it. I know we're on here doing the podcast, and I'm no. If you look at this, if you look at the achievement with that League Cup final, Scottish Cup, and into Europe for a club, 22 years, I think it was going a provincial club, probably the lowest budget in the, in the Premier League. There's a story to that. If that's in if that's in the English Premiership, you're talking about that for years and yeah, years and years mm-hmm. and years. Or if that's in Hollywood, there's a film made about that because it's they go, nah, how did they do that? Mm-hmm. But because we're in Scotland, they go, well, well right, right, let's move on, let's move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's only Inverness and the press, you know, if it's no Celtic and Rangers, the press are know what to go overboard about it. But what we a fantastic did. achievement. And we when you see that you're getting a manager of the year and all that, that's no me. I'm just the recipient. I'm just going up to collect that for, for everybody connected to Inverness. And I'm not saying this. For the chairman, right down to John Dock, you know, the, the kit man, who, who's, who's an unsung hero. Brilliant. Absolutely different class, John Dock. You couldn't ask for any better. Right down to all that. Uh, and the supporters, you know, uh, always getting a... 
wrong end at 12 o'clock kickoff, so we're doing the road all the time, this, that, the next time. So it was great, and that European, so, and as you say, you're moving into the new season, and then you're starting to lose players. We lost Bully Mackay, Shinny's away, there was a whisper Tanji uh, was meant to be going to Aberdeen. That's right. Uh, but it was meant to be Draper. Just right. going to Aberdeen. That was a whisper for the chairman, and eventually it turned out it was Tan, Tans. Mm-hmm. And then Ryan's away, and you're mm-hmm. saying to yourself, oh. And then first game of the season, Gary Warren, the new season, Gary Warren breaks his leg. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. And you're saying, we're right up against it. And Josh Meekins, he done his knee, and Doran's done his knee. I don't think Doran's played that year, I think he, after the first quarter, I think that was him finished, and I think Josh, we were right up against it, and probably that last season was just that everybody's good, because yeah, the players that we lost and the injuries that we picked up, and it was a real challenge. I put all my plans to the board, to Kenny and to the board, and every decision I made at the club, I always felt I was making the right decision for the club. As long as it's the right decision, you have to make it. No all decisions are popular decisions. But if you feel they're the right decisions, you have to make it. If no, then I feel that you, as a coach or a manager, you're cheating yourself. That's my point of view. Mm-hmm. And it's open for debate. And if somebody comes down and put a different debate towards me and sort of say, they could convince me, right? And then it's keeping the club progressing. So I put it all to the board. I was working on the... the, the 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 budget it was the same as it was and all that stuff, but it wasn't. The chairman says work on this and we'll get the rep. that'll come right fine. I was talking to players and then uh, try to balance the books in terms of that's wages going out, this is coming in, and then the chairman went a wee bit strange uh, because two of the players that I felt well Richard didn't play with the shoulder and then the knee. Mm-hmm. He was trying ever so hard to get his sale back, uh, and he couldn't he couldn't play. But it was still on, and I sort of said to the chairman, you need, we need to free that up. My whole plan was hoping that Richard could go on the, go on the coaching, go, go and take the kids and go on the coaching. But I was getting that. And then David Raven, who was a fantastic, one of the best professionals I've ever worked with. Uh, in fact, you know, I've worked with so many professionals. I count on one hand just who's the professionals above that. Guys like Gary Warner, and, mm-hmm. uh, Big Joe McLaughlin, Davey Weir, these Frank Sosie. Oh, David, Raven, mm-hmm. David Raven comes in in that category, the way he conducted himself. Mm-hmm. And, and that, it was just, you know, the way he sort of took control and policed it and says, come on, this is what the gaffer's after. You know, he was a lieutenant. But what I felt, we're working with a budget, what I felt was I wanted to put Meekins more on that right back because Josh could, it was a bomber. Mm-hmm. And I always felt to play football, you need a more natural left-sided centre-half. And the reason I'm oh, saying that is well, when it comes to his left foot, he can wrap it in there. Josh mm-hmm. was always running around on his right foot. I had the boy Paul Hartley lined up, who was my captain at Hartlepool, right in the Motherwell there. Oh, Peter, Peter Hartley. Yeah, good Peter player. Peter Hartley, sorry, yeah. Peter Hartley. I had yeah, Peter player. lined up uh, as that natural left, and he was a competitor as well. So I had all the plans in place, and then the chairman just went a little bit. No, it went. It wasn't coming through, chewing the fat as much. And Kels, I see Kels. What is it? Says, I think there might be. And then eventually, uh, two directors come in, and they sort of says, "Listen, we've had a board meeting, and we just feel that 
we want to we want to keep these two players. I say I totally understand. This is too so do I, but the budget this and that, and we've not got the money to keep bringing. I need to keep evolving the team and moving it forward. One thing led to the other, and I just says, listen, it's your team. I'm not going to fall out with anyone here and all that stuff. And mm-hmm. you know, I think you want to go a different direction. And that'll be me at the end of the season. And that was it. It was no hard feelings. It was disappointment. See, the players, they, they did come in that summer, John. But were those, were those the players that you wanted then? Or did you have to sort of say, well, I can't get that guy because we can't afford him. So I'm going to have to go for that guy instead. So the guys <laughs> that come always, in that summer. No, that always happens. That happens at every club. Yeah. If you could get everything that you go for. And plus, in finances, come into a lot of the players. But you're still looking for players that is say, could I not just, could I improve them? You know, is he still young enough, wee bits and pieces, and in that. But the whole thing, if I'm honest, you know, just to see the good ones and everything that we put in here, this is our time, just to see, you know, your shinnies and your Ryans and that leaving and moving on, you're saying to yourself. And plus, I have to say this, it's, it's no excuse, but the wife's parents were uh, suffering too, and were in the nursing home with dementia. Uh, I heard the kids were at an age... She was the kids were at an age where she sort of every time I, I come home, she I could see the stress on her, and I promised her. I said, right, that's it. I said, I'm coming home for a year or two. I says, and um, see the kids growing up because I always remember Jim McLean. There's two things I remember when you go to all these the coaches' uh, conferences. Jim McLean seen his biggest regret in football. He never see his family growing up. And then probably I had maybe I've had a wee part today in terms of you know you can't paint, you know in terms of maybe the way I was conducting myself maybe from the toys at the pram a wee bit you know what do you want us to do we're Scottish Cup winners you know want to keep it going you know, we know what to go that way you know sort of force it that's the way we want to go. Was it? Yeah. See, I remember it was rumours, John. That this might be false, but I I remember Dundee United what speak wanted to speak to you and we um, we said no we're not letting you talk to them and. Did that affect you a wee bit in terms of like you're doing getting the chance to speak to a club that maybe wants you? No, it never affected me. What's, mm. What affected me in the way was I always felt and always this, even right from an early age doing all the courses, if you get a chance in an interview, go. Even mm. if you didn't get the job because you might leave an impression you get it sometime else. or Down the line. Or mm. And plus it's a great experience. So I wanted to go and speak to Dundee United. And I says to Kenny, that doesn't make me say I'm going to go. But what it did to me, it gave me a bargaining tool to say, right, where is the club going then, chairman? Where are we going with Vanessa? Because I'm ambitious. I'm mm. not going to sit back and rest on my laurels. And it all comes really comes down to uh, finance and all that stuff. But I don't know, I don't go into the books, but I'm guessing in the 22 year history in Inverness, I'm guessing probably my time at the club was probably the only time that I've made money. You, oh, you yeah. make. You make money getting in this League Cup final, Scottish Cup final, went to Europe, third in the league. I think it's 75 grand a spot for every spot. Right, so right, money, money as well. Yeah, there's a lot of money there. So you make money. And, um, so that was that. So, mm-hmm. so there's money, know, there's money that could have been invested in the squad then? Yeah, well, it should be in the squad, but there's plenty of other things to get done uh, at the football club. And that's something I'm, I sort of regret. I should have... The chairman was always at me to come in and learn the books, come in and learn the books, come in and learn the books. And I was sort of reluctant to do that, saying, I don't really want to get myself tied in. I want to coach, I want to coach good players, I want to bring good players to the club. Mm-hmm. And don't forget, I probably was a split a little bit uh, from the toys at the pram, because I'll say this again, and I've got no qualms whatsoever saying it. I was spoiled. I was spoiled mm-hmm. with the players. 
the, the players that I had at the club, I was spoiled. It was just a perfect storm. My coach and my philosophy come together with these. When I mean, I'm spoiled, I can mention them. I've mentioned the unsung heroes. Guys like, uh, you know, Nick Ross, Carl Tremarco, uh, Danny Williams, these guys. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, but I'm spoiled guys, guys like Shinny. You're, you're talking about Scotland internationals. Not at the mm-hmm. time, but mm-hmm. I knew Shinny's, Christie's, Marley's, all these guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, real, real good and real good professionals as well. Guys like Gary Warren, David Raven, Tansy, Drapes. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And to be fair, my time there with uh, Fort George and what I asked for and all the equipment, they couldn't do enough. They could not do enough for me. Uh, Even that last season, John, I mean, we finished seventh in the league, but with more points than County, who finished sixth. So that was a weird thing. We finished <laughs> the bottom half of the table, but more points than the team in the top half. So. Wasn't, uh, a bad, wasn't a bad season the last season. I'll bite your hand off for that season now. I know, but uh, take, that, take that half uh, beat now. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Is sometimes uh, the grass is no greener. I've, I've heard you talk about America. Maybe you think that we're going to America. So I was thinking, is, uh, is Nicky Ross sorting out at El Paso locomotive? Oh, I know. El Paso. <laughs> funny, I, funny, Nick, because everybody, Nick, you know, used to say, Nick, Nick, listen. See the night, go and get yourself a few drinks, go and smash a window and get yourself arrested with the police. Get a bit of, you know, Nick's that quiet guy. And somebody says that, he'll never leave Inverness. And yet in the last four or five years, he's been all over the place. Aye, Romania. And, uh, aye, been been all over the place, but a great lad, Nick. What a footballer, Nicholas. Nick had that, you know that one, look that way and pass it there. Aye. Uh, what a footballer, Nick. And once again, it's because it's the same with Poli. Uh, because of the emergency, Ryan Christie and all that stuff, these guys, they never played as much as they should have. But because the team was that, it was, it was a good team, you know, with Marley and, uh, and the positions they played, but real good players. Pleasure to work with them. what the hell? How you doing? No water cell for shitty weather, drugs and pissness. Inverness is a fucking business. Let's talk a little bit about Callie Thistle's future. It'd be really good to get your opinion on a few things, um, um, our immediate and longer-term challenges. Let's talk about the season coming up. I know it's like two months away in October, but like, if you were the manager, you know, what would it take to stop Hearts, in your opinion? What, what would you be doing? Are they stoppable? Who would you be buying? And how would you line your, uh, your side up against a team in the likes of Naismith and Suter and Haring and Walker and Nick Piazu? What would you be doing, well, it depends on what he's got because he's lost a few, isn't it? I think, I think Trafford went to Hamilton. Yeah, Trafford's gone. Uh, big big white, White's gone to Motherwell. Rooney and McCarthy. John Rooney to Johnston. We've still got a good spine, John, but we've lost, lost about four key players, yeah. Well, even what he's got, because you tell me, at the, and Carlo's went to Ross County. I would have kept Carlo. That's first and foremost. Carlo, yep. he, Carlo was always an inspiration on the training pitch, you know. Mm-hmm. But they tell me they've got a good left back coming through. Cameron Harper. Harper, yeah, young boy. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then who's going to play right back? So I don't know what his team is, but um, I would look to maybe get myself that left natural centre half. What happens if you've not got the money? If you've not got the money, you mm-hmm. cannot put the club into debt. So you're hoping that a few young ones are coming through. Mm-hmm. But one thing I will say is, um, I think Inverness will always be, they'll always make the playoffs to go and they're going to be hard pushed to go and try and beat Hearts. Mm-hmm. You know, Hearts, and just, you just need to look at the size of the club and the budget and the finance and the players that are all well going to sign. Um, but on any given day, if you're organised, 
you know, that should be your challenge. You should be rubbing your hands and going, oh, give me a bit of this. It cannot face you. Mm. It has to inspire you. You know, go to Timecast and say, this is what it's all about. And then, as you say, if you, then you break it down, listen, we're going to win the league, but this is how we're going to do it. And you break it down. down. Eventually, it comes back to, as you say, 45 minutes each half the way you train. Don't mm. look too far at yourself. Let's get this right first then get that right and then we're off and running and you'll be surprised where it where it takes you big jordan white's going to be a, a massive loss because i seen inverness year four times last year um and i was really impressed you know mm-hmm. and then you need to keep everybody fit you need to keep we welsh you fit get on the ball get you started you know he plays that quarterback role mm-hmm. um doran's my old story and I'm quite sure we Rob will have two or three up his sleeve. You know, you don't go in you, you don't go into a gunfight with a knife. That's the untouchables, isn't it? Charlie, Charlie Christie asked me to ask you a question. This is Charlie. Oh, he loves you, he sings your praises. He just he asked me to ask you, how important do you feel it is for Scottish clubs to introduce homegrown players into their first teams? You've had a history of doing it with us, but do you see that being the future for Scottish football, that it's got to be more homegrown players coming in and well, filling those that's, gaps? That's what I was hoping, f- that's why I was hoping that um, we maybe went to a bigger uh, Premier League, because I yep. think if that's the case, I think managers are looking over their shoulder and say, we're better than them, we're better than them, and they give kids a chance. I think mm-hmm. it's so cutthroat and relegation that we go with experience. Mm-hmm. You have to give kids a chance. Kids are the future, and they'll never let you do. When I was at Falkirk, I had... We played Rangers. My last game at Falkirk was the Scottish Cup final against Rangers. We had five kids for the academy. Three of them were in the starting 11, and I'll tell you two of them. Darren Barr was my captain, come through the academy. Scott Arfield, no playing at Rangers, was in midfield. And Tam Scobie was my left back. Chrissy Mitchell and I think it was Jamie Barkley with my two. They were on the bench. Or Mark Stewart and Jamie Striker. Yeah. There was five of them. That was the five. Uh, that was it. Was on the on the bench. You have to get the kids and never let you down. Plus, when you get them in young, then they're all yours. You bring them up the way you want to bring them up. Mm-hmm. You educate them. You you demand of them. So you need to get them in. Need to get them in. Uh, and maybe that's where Rob will see. Uh, as you say, you kills you. You never get kills on the phone, so you never get the chance to pick <laughs> his brains. But I'm sure a few clubs were after a couple of the kids before uh, for Inverness mm-hmm. last oh. year. So. We're, um, we're, we're actually asking parents, the club ask, is asking parents about £10 a month now to, to help contribute because if, if we don't get that extra you know, 70 grand in, then they're looking at possibly mothballing the, the youth setup. And I know that's what Falkirk did recently. Do you, are you aware of like, how has that affected Falkirk? Do you have, do you that have, killed you? me. That killed me, even, uh, Andrew, because I'll tell you why. Because when I was at Falkirk, it was me at Bolt that Academy. Right. And we sort of bought it for, for, for the top to bottom, and sort of for top to bottom, and then the bottom coming up in terms of we, we, we got a few boys club teams asking them to come folk up to get it started. But we're in at Stirling University, going to academy night at Stirling University under the lights, it was magnificent. The players that were coming through the academy, even now, I've seen a boy play another day, there, Stevie Fulton's lad, playing for Swansea. Oh, Jay Fulton, yeah. yeah. Oh, these guys were in the academy, sibled, all the wee young ones coming through the academy, doing it right. But also, I'll just tell you this, I'll just tell you how boring a kind of guy I am. 
in my conversations with John Collins, you know, we're constantly talking football. You're right, I'm wrong. We, you, I'm a Scottish Cup winner. I played in the world. God, all this stuff. So eventually, once the two are sending up, once he realises that I'm always right, and then he agrees with me. But what, what I says to him, I says, John, what, see, see if you got in charge of your club now. I says, what would you do? And he always sort of tries to pick my brains. He says, you, you know, with the, with the finance that's going on, we all want a great academy. He says, and I'd probably do that. And he says, uh, he says, but see, when I was 16, and it's the same. And I says, and I told him, he says, when we went to 16, I, we went to the YTS apprenticeship scheme, right? And it was all the jobs, you know, and that, but that's neither here or there. He says, but what? He says, I went right into training with the first team. He says, although I was 16 YTS, I was training with Hibs first team, myself, Mickey Weir, Paul came in. That's the secret. That's the secret. Although, and I said, so see if, he says, if I ever took over a team or bought a team or went a director of football or a team, I took my first team and I, I'm standing down, I cover my hands and I says, and what we did at Livingston, because what we did at Livingston, I went out all around the juvenile clubs under 16s. He was on holiday and I signed eight under 16 juveniles to come in at Livingston full time and when they come back he says what have you done I says I've, to be fair he says aye on you go he says go and get the young kids and it was all these young kids but these young kids come and trained with the first team and they just went sink or swim see initially first two months sink see the third month oh they're starting to paddle see the fourth month oh they're swimming see the fifth month when they're overtaking the first team before you know it you've got a player and he's 17 and they're all coming there. And what you do is you're training with the first team. They're all in awe of the first team. They're intimidated. They don't know that you see them coming out of their shell and they're blossom. And before you know it, that's your substitutes for your first team. They get 10 minutes here. They get half an hour here. He gets a game. If he can do it, I can do it. And they're all coming through together. But no effect, they're, they're getting dragged up. They're getting bullied. They're getting bossed. Bullied in the right way in terms of physical on the training pitch. I know, and they go like, ah, I want a bit of this. I want a bit of this. That's the way I would do it. And the next time I ever went into a club, I would well, never had finances. We, um, there might there might be more opportunities with kids if um, the lower leagues implement the five subs. Not sure if they will or not, but that's one of the changes that's going to come across the Scottish footballers as a result of you know post COVID. So you know, just before we let you go, you know, what's your opinion on you know at the moment there could be fans in the ground. There might not be. There might be a few fans. How much, you know, from your experience, would that detract from football, that, that lack of fans? Massive. It's everything. Supporters are everything. That's your stage. It's really... Uh, and I, I know all the teams have been playing games in closed doors. Celtic have tried to get the sound system going, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, it's going to be very, very strange. Very, very strange. But it counts. So when it counts, it's competitive. You're playing for points. But you need, we need to get the supporters in. If we go right back to the the the, the supporters and the, the furlough and all that stuff, I can see Inverness going keeping them on furlough because of the financial situation. Yeah. Right to the possibility of the last minute. Right to the last minute before they bring them in. And probably using the League Cup as your pre-season. Just because pure and simple financial reasons. And then you're hoping that once a back play, and that's when Robo gets to work and gets three or four in mm-hmm. uh, to help them along. And that's and that's not just Inverness, that'll be right throughout the board. If we start back playing football in the championship, first division, second division, without any supporters, 
I think it'll be a financial strain on a lot of lot of the clubs that they cannot afford. Yeah. They need the they need that rock up money as well from turnstiles. We we go to all the away games and uh, I remember an away game going back fifteen or twenty years. I got a wee photograph here from uh, Brockville and uh, there's a, yo- a young a young John Hughes warming up. I don't know if you can see that. Look at the hair there. Just for the listeners, I'm showing a wee picture of Yogi warming up. So Yogi warmed up on. On the other side of the where the stadium is. Was that, was, that, was, that, that was Oakle View then, Moth, wasn't it? It was Oakle View. I thought ah, it was Falkirk played at Stenish Muir that year. So. I was a bit uh, confused. I, I look like I've had too much to drink in the photo uh, right enough. Uh, um, so I, Yogi's doing the warm up and that, and then a mate of mine's a wee bit of a mouth. And uh, you come and you do, you're you stretching your hammies like that on the hoard. And I don't know what he said to you. He, he tried, it looks like he's offering you a bovril. I don't know what he said to you. And uh, you just looked him square in the face, and he's a wee ginger guy, yeah. You looked him square in the face and you went, if I were you, I'd watch it carrot top. See when you became manager, he goes, I'm not going back to the stadium. He hardly went anyway, right? He hardly went anyway. I'm not going back to the stadium. And then obviously we started playing football. We started winning things. And uh, he comes back. Carrot it? top came back. Uh, uh, carrot top came back. So there's <laughs> a wee story for you. Yeah, man. That's, hey. a, that's, a, that's a bit of banter in the character in the game. Uh-huh. I really do. I think a lot of that character's I think so many people in football and establishments are so far up their own ah, backside. Agreed. Jeez, oh, relax, have a bit of fun, play with a smile on your face. Ah, you know, like, even referees, the way they go, I just go, oh, it's not about you. You're not meant to be seen. You know, <laughs> ah, shit. Unbelievable. <laughs> hey, John, before we let you go, I've got, I've got a wee bit of a, as I say, a celebrity mailbag, so a few, it's not really a question, John, it's more of a, I think it's a request from Ryan Christie, player we all know. Hurry up and get a job so that, so that you can play under you again. So see if you're getting a job and he wants to play under you, you're coming back to Inverness, so he wants to play under you again. So more of a request. Uh, it should have been because I went for the Scotland job. Ah, right, okay. Ah, well, you yeah. can have them in, huh? I yeah. went for the Scotland job just for the simple reason that uh, I don't know what people's perception of me is because I'm a big, uh, I like a laugh and always joking and people... People think, oh, I know him. I know him really well. No one really knows me. I keep it. It's only on one hand. And what yeah. I'm talking about with really knowing, I'm talking about when it comes to football. Yeah. There's nothing, trust me, there's nothing more serious when, I come to, when it comes to football and preparing mm-hmm. and doing this and 24-7. Kells is probably get a bit of it. Chipper will know it. Mm-hmm. Um, just the whole switch. It switches and he goes, ah, oh, no, I'm in that mode. Ah, uh, what mode? Mm-hmm. And I just felt I play football and I do something different. And I just felt when that Scotland job come up that, hey, that my style of play could suit Scotland. Plus mm-hmm. the motivation and all this stuff. But once again, you go in for it, you don't even get an interview, which is very disappointing. Mm-hmm. Not even a phone call. Not even a phone call, which is very disappointing. And then we'll get one from uh, Josh Meekins, who was on the pod last week. If you could change one thing about your time in Inverness, what would it be? Oh, if I could change one thing. That's a, that's a really, really good question, that. Well, maybe just we can be doing this instead of us. I know, I'm surprised. <laughs> it would probably be, it hurts me the most, as the guys that never took part in the success, the guys like Richie, Gary Warren, these guys. You know, mm-hmm. the, the guys that played a massive part before getting all the adulation that goes with it. Mm-hmm. You know, Richie, as I say, I had to sign Edward because of Richie. It should have been Richie up there because they played a massive part. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, the success that we had at Inverness, and that's what it'd probably be 
for these guys, Gary Warren getting sent off, missing the League Cup final, oh. missing the Scottish Cup final. You're having a laugh. That's another rule the SFA should look at. If it's two, if it's yellow cards, you're still playing the Scottish Cup final. If it's a red card in the semi, then you don't. Mm-hmm. But you know, sometimes with SFA, common sense does not prevail. Listen, if they don't phone you back after a job, a job application, then they're doing something <laughs> wrong. So. Uh, another one in here, John, uh, David Raymond, who we just spoke about. A couple of questions. Well, one's a statement. Uh, what do you think comes first? Good results, success, or team spirit? And how, how would you create a culture of team spirit? And are you still a middle-aged man in tight lycra? It's funny that team spirit because it's two different things. The team spirit is a spirit where you've all got along, you know each other, you're all friendly, bring a spirit, you'll have a night out and all that stuff. A team culture is that looking looking at each other in the eye, looking at each other in the tunnel and saying, Right at this moment in time, I'm delighted you're in my team. Mm-hmm. I'm delighted you're in the same team as me. And it gives you that confidence, you know, to say, geez. Oh. And I think that comes with respect to the way you train, the way you conduct yourself. David Raven had that in abundance. Mm-hmm. In abundance. The other hand, and that's what it's, um, and it's, it's creating the environment. Winning certainly helps. Winning certainly helps. That gives you winning. Um, but I'm different. And I've had many a uh, chief executive and director say that to me. You, you're different because it's not a job to you. Winning's not everything. No, it's a performance. Performance for me. Performance comes first. Many a time I've been brilliant. We got beat. I'm delighted. I say, no, brilliant. But knowing the performance, knowing that winning will come, having the confidence, winning will come. It'll come. It'll come. Let's just keep performing, doing what we're doing. Is the performance so just sort of rewards for you because you've seen it in the training pitch, you've, you've been through the scenarios in the game, and it's a wee bit of the, this is all my hard work at the end of the week's paid off, this is what's happened. Uh, that's what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. See when the game starts, I don't. I try very hard not to get caught up in the game. I'm looking mm-hmm. for all the stuff, all the movement. So when the ball's coming there, I know it's gone from centre-half to centre-half to centre-half mm-hmm. uh, because I know what the other team's characteristics are, how they pick up. Mm-hmm. But when it's gone there, I'm actually looking further up the pitch to see if these midfielders are rotating for that centre-half to pass the ball to. Ah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm looking at that, and that's what I'm looking at when the game, oh, still, you know, the, the, you're still looking at the game and all that, but many a time I'm looking up there and you, somebody's done something wrong and I've said to Kels, what happened? She's fucking passed it back to the goal and hit a bobble or whatever, because mm-hmm. I'm watching that rotation. And that's what you have to do, you know, it comes in segments. Aye, you know, what's the other part of David's question? Am I still a middle-aged uh, Are you still a middle-aged man in tight lycra? <laughs> I can answer yes, I've seen some photos. Aye, I have. I with a bike, everyone hangs the bike, it's, it takes you away, you know, you're free as a bird, your mind's free, it takes you away, it lets you reminisce. And, <laughs> And it's gone back to Scottish Cup final, training, drawing yeah. up, what about this? And before you know it, your mind's racing and you're, I've done 10 mile already. But you've, <laughs> you've just played the Scottish Cup final again in your, in, in uh-huh. your head. <laughs> and that, that's it, it's great. And here's the last question, John, from uh, Carlo, from Carlo Marco. To be honest, on a scale of 1 to 10, how much did you want to kill me when I get sent off in the final? Because <laughs> by, the, by, the look, by the look in his eyes, he was boiling. <laughs> Oh, Carlo. absolutely loved Carlo, honestly. I loved him. He was not all action, non-stop. He was, the thing about Carlo, he was up against Shinny. Shinny was playing left back all the time for us. 
and that's what I'm saying. Carlo would have played every week. Carlo was Carlo was different class. Uh, the two of them had their attributes. And, mm-hmm. Aye, Carlo was brilliant. And, aye, you wanted to throttle throttle him, but you win as a team, you lose as a team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can remember interviewing him on the bus. I got, got the mic. And, that's right. Carlo, uh, and he deserved that, Carlo. Mm-hmm. For, because I, I always used to say, I used to say to them, why are you, who have you been let go? We're all here. That's what I'm saying. We've all had disappointment. But that disappointment, all we've had in our football careers, mm-hmm. has got to be our strength to go and achieve. And to be fair to them, they didn't have to go and do it. Absolutely oh, brilliant. Brilliant. Even the strips, what I know so much, even they come out with the socks, with the stripy socks. Mm-hmm. I just thought, wow, that's unique. That's a little bit different. That's a wee bit of us and all that. And mm-hmm. it goes for a long way. It's like you, you're going for a couple of beers. You mm-hmm. go in the shower, you come out, you put your best clobber on. Oh, I'll right? show you. Same with the boys. You're going to the pitch to perform. They won't. Oh, there you go. There they are. There they are. Yeah. Andrew, what have you been using those socks for? They're a bit too handy next to your bed. <laughs> oh, do, you know, do, you know last time, do you know last time I wore these? The last time I wore these was with my kilt walking about Old Town in Bucharest. It's memories that will stay with you for the rest of your life. Exactly. See, the thing is, in football, you think you're going, that's going to be the same every week, every week, and before you know it, it's, it's, it's gone. That's when we won the Scottish Cup final. I says to them, I can remember pulling them, take your time, slow down, go and get enjoy your family and enjoy the moment because mm-hmm. it might never happen again. And that's it in football. You, you come across so many good people, you think, and you've never, before you know it, you lose touch with them and you've never seen them for years. Mm-hmm. And right through it all, right through my football career, for the time I started playing football, right up to, you know, uh, to finish the uh, managing, I would give it all up to start all over again at 15. No. I would, I would no. give it all up because I loved it. I just loved it. I loved playing football. And, uh, it was great. And the people you meet and the characters and the laughs and the disappointments that, you have to pick yourself up off the ground, makes you stronger. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, good things happen to good people, and uh, it's criminal that you're not, not Scottish football, not in a job. So the sooner you get back in a job, the better. Um, I think, I think your, some of your philosophies and the way you want to play football is really missed. And uh, yeah, I hope you're back in soon, mate. It's, uh, well, I need, I need a kindred spirit. I, I need a, a director or a chairman or a chief. So the same wavelength, yeah. They say, listen. Aye, we're winning, but I'm not enjoying the football. I want to see, you know, someone like Man City do, I want to see football. And if it is, then I've got a chance of getting in. Yeah. Listen, I've got to be honest, I've been very close to two mm-hmm. or three abroad. You know, a really good one. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but I've re-evaluated. I never got them re-evaluated. And if it's getting back in, uh, but saying that, if I bring a team up to Inverness, you'll be the first one to do your Dublin Jews. Oh, aye, aye, aye. No, I'll, 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 I'll get me carrot top to come back in here. Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what, uh, John, we really appreciate you coming on. and Everybody appreciates you taking the time out to come and speak to us and everything. You see, everybody, oh, uh, Ross County, Inverness, Ross County, we in the Highlands, what are they doing in the Football League, all that stuff. Oh, look at all that. And then you've got Celtic Rangers and all that. You know what makes these clubs unique? Eh? Fans. Fans. The supporters. Yeah, exactly. Because you guys can jump on the bus and say, I'm away, don't you watch Celtic, I'm away, don't you watch Rangers. That's what makes it unique. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's, it's the club is a, the club of the community. That's a part of the community and that's what makes it that's what makes it unique. That's that's it. No matter if it's one hundred or four thousand, you've got a job to do. So that's cheers from Riley, cheers from myself, cheers from John. Uh, brilliant having you on and uh, take care of yourself. Thanks John, appreciate it.
Take care, buddy. We're all off to tell Carrot Tops to go and watch themselves. <laughs> <laughs> See you later. <laughs> yeah, man. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>